It's August 12, 2021. This is Ablecraft, episode 5. I'm Abel Kirby. And I'm Sir Spencer. Yeah. Alright, so we get episode 5, August 12th. Ready to push out some content. Oh yeah. Flexing for, the, flexing for a good push here. Yeah, man. I, uh, I had a couple more beers than I thought I was going to have last night. Uh, stayed up a little oh, later man. than I was supposed to. And What a uh, marathon. Oh, Lord. So I, couldn't was... let, I couldn't let myself hang out too long because I had to take a buddy to the airport at the ass crack of dawn this morning. So Yeah, it's got to be rough. I had to pick him up at 5, my oh. time, and drive him up there. Yeah. Well, we had um, podcasting 2.0 stuff to talk about on this show. That's what we do on this show, and I want to jump right into it. I am still obsessed with the idea of making a super short show where you just run through everything. Uh, I think we hit that once or twice. We'll see yeah. if we can do it again. Okay. Um, so the first thing that we got podcasting 2.0 topics, uh, you listened to the last episode, I presume, with uh, Daniel J. Lewis on there. The He has this podcastindustryinsights.com uh, website he was plugging, and they're talking about a bunch of other things on there. And, and A lot of the, the show's always interesting. It's always fun to listen to that, but I wasn't picking up a lot. Uh, it was super topical to us. But I really did like, my main takeaway was I, I went and looked at Daniel J. Lewis's site and I noticed yeah. the pricing on there is, uh, is exactly what it should be. Uh, so what he does, uh, if you didn't catch it at the end of the show, he said it right at the end, the, he has a service where he has deeper, quote, deeper insights into podcasting available to people who subscribe. And if you subscribe to a service, you get a uh, API where you can go pull his databases, but he has all kinds of interesting statistics available uh as a service so you can get like podcast breakdown by genre or you can plot data over time and get like histograms of oh what are the the breakdowns of um you know all of the true crime podcasts with you know and and you can have an x-axis y-axis it seems like it's very configurable because he has a bunch of sample charts that have a bunch of weird stuff in them just oh that's a cool service but when i saw his pricing I said, damn, that's exactly what it should be. So what he advertises is he's got $199 for one-day access. And if you want, Yeah, monthly access is $300. And I'm thinking about this from a professional podcaster standpoint. If I work at a podcasting company and I want to get that data, it, it might be worth that to me. Uh, and I was thinking about, you know, running a business. What's it really take to be worth your while to, to actually provide this database and service? It's got to be up there. It's a very specialized service. No doubt. And yeah. maybe it's just because I was looking at Fiverr earlier that day. And <laughs> like Fiverr is absolutely ridiculous. I was looking at saying, I don't know, is there gig work or something? I'm, I'm fishing around right. with some new ideas. And it's like, you know what you get on Fiverr? You get a guy from, it's like a guy from Pakistan who'll like, oh, I design your airplane for $20. <laughs> It's, oh man! Because I'm looking at the engineering side. Yeah. You know, I'll design a satellite for thirty-five bucks for one page, and then fifty dollars for two pages. <laughs> it's like, whoa, what? What yeah. are you doing? So it's a, that when I saw that on Fiverr, I said, "There is no way I would never charge you know con- engineering consulting prices. No way." Uh, it, Daniel J. Lewis has. I think he's got the right idea for the consulting. Uh, this access. No doubt. So. No doubt. Okay. Yeah, why you would ever pay just for one day is beyond me. Well, you know. we'll go for the month there, huh? Yeah, I know. Well, I mean, <laughs> what you don't want it if it's set so low, people are going to open it up, see the one thing they care about, and then and then sure. close it. Yeah, that uh, makes sense. 
So. Yeah, Daniel J. Lewis, I, he's been on my radar for the longest because right when I first started Bull After Bull in 2014, like the first iteration, uh, he always did that, um, I think it was called the Audacity to Podcast, mm-hmm. but basically how to use Audacity and f- totally set your podcast up for free. So I'm not a fan of that because I'm not a fan of Audacity. But uh, Yeah, get- uh, over time I've uh, moved on to big boy tools but yeah, it was like it was the dip your toes and get your little blue yeti mic and yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> you know oh, so there there are a couple other things on there just random stuff i was writing down as i went because they were talking about the qr codes and the fast follow mechanism that's been discussed on the podcast index.social uh site i've been watching that timeline there's people talking about it especially james cridlin wants to have a commentary about what why would anyone fast follow using fast the fast follow website why would it I think someone said, why would I print a sticker with someone else's URL on it and stick it around? Why wouldn't I just put my own on it? Okay, there's some confusion about how that works. Sure. But I was just thinking about that, and my stupid uh, you know, shower thought on that is, oh, you know what? QR codes are how apps kiss. I love it. <laughs> it's like, that's what it takes to get one app uh, to talk to another app, uh, you know, kind of over the firewall. It's like between the uh, between the jail bars, between the, uh, the wallet app and the... Uh, you know, in the podcast app. Yeah. yeah. That's what you got. You need a QR code. Well, and everybody, even if you're streaming sats, everybody uses a different app, so. Yeah. Oh, well, it was kind of cool. But I had, um since we last spoke, uh, Cotton Jid was over here. And I was talking with him a lot and just, you know, shooting ideas, uh, spitballing ideas. You know, what's he think? What's everyone think? Here's what we came up with when we were talking about how do you get people to get a wallet? And this was a stupid thought, almost a shower thought, too. But I was looking at the Roadcaster I have on my desk. I said, you know what? That should have a wallet built in. Oh, that would be wild. The damn Roadcaster, uh, the thing that you buy to make a podcast, that should have a lightning node. It just runs. How, you plug it in, it turns on, that's it. It has a QR code on the front panel. You know, that kind of thing. How much storage does a Roadcaster have built oh, in? Oh, not it? enough. It doesn't have enough processing power. It doesn't get enough um, amperes through its... Uh, through its connection to the the wall wart to actually run a node on it. I'm pretty sure about that one. Sure. Because, uh, I mean, like a Raspberry Pi, you even have to have an H, uh, you know, an HDD to plug into it to run yeah. it. And you, so need, you, need, about, a, you need, need, need about a terabyte of space. You need a heat sink on it, you know, because it's got yeah. so much power dissipation. But Yeah, no doubt. That would be the holy grail for me, and I think that's the next version of, uh, what was it called? The pod, uh, what was Adam's thing, the... that. It got oh, yeah, Podcaster Pro. The Podcaster Pro. Okay, Podcaster Pro version 2.0 uh, is, <laughs> has, to have a, uh, has to have a wallet inside it. <laughs> <laughs> Route your audio signal and your lightning payments all in one convenient device. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's what it's going to take, right? To get, to get that in everyone's hands. It's got to be something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's got to be some dumb version plug and play of everything, which I think eventually, you know. Well, ras- ras- if they they keep on talking about working on the mom uh, the mom jeans version of it, yeah, the mom jeans, and version. that'll be what it is. You know, a box that you plug into the wall, and then you plug into your Ethernet, and then you plug your microphone into, yep. and then you're done plugging. So there's my million dollar idea. There's my sellout idea. It's going to be a raspy like blitz, okay, and it's going to have the screen on top, and then below it's going to just have a really nice, um, you know, eight channel A to D, D to A kind of thing. And the rest With is built-in uh, little noise gate and everything compressor. Oh my oh, god! Have DSP right, and then the rest is uh, you have to do the the signal uh, processing, you know, analog signal processing. But that's all that's all rote. We know how to design good op amps already. So this 
it's it's already done. Someone just has to put it together. You know, all the parts exist. Someone just has to put it together. But that's the hard part, right? That's that the, is uh, always the tricky one. The, yes, that's the hey, maybe I should uh, maybe I should start an en- electrical engineering firm and do that. <laughs> um, there was a new app that came across on uh, podcastindex.social. I didn't check it out. I heard you mention it the other day, which was the fountain.fm. Ah, yes, Android fountain. Uh, any experience with that? Yeah, I went through it a little bit, and it's a bit buggy right now. Yeah. The two main problems I had, the first is the the search is sort of limited in that when I type bull after bull, I want my show you know to pop up because yeah. you know, we're the only podcast with that name. And, um, I had this kind of problem. I don't know if it's like a weird way that searches work when you repeat a, a term in your query because it's bowl is the first and last oh, word. Oh, I understand. Uh, so I don't know if that's something to do with it, but like, there's like some super bowl podcast that <laughs> came up for the longest time on the index too. And I don't know if the algorithm got smarter over there, but now I'm always the first hit over there when I search bowl after bowl, but in the fountain.fm app. When I search bowl after bowl, I'm not even there. Like I scroll all the way to the bottom and the results stop and I'm not anywhere. But then if I query it in quotes, bowl after bowl, then it's just my show at top and then all sorts of episodes at the bottom. So you have to search it in quotes in order to get it returned, which is going to be tough for discovery. But uh, the bigger issue is when I actually play an episode, the audio plays all right. The MP3 comes up and starts playing. The artwork pops up, the player screen pops up, but then the timer doesn't count. It just stays at zero, and mm. then the like both numbers are zero. The the time that's supposed to be ticking where you're at, and then it's supposed to tell you, you know, time remaining on the other side. Well, you know, that's both n- of those are zeros. And isn't that normal for listening to bowl after bowl? You know, you turn it on and you look at the <laughs> clock, and it just won't move. It just the, the time stands still. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm probably delayed, but it's something to be, something to be expected, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, the the none of the buttons work, which is a problem. Yeah. The fountain, I think, is kind of posturing to have their thing be the ability to pull clips really neatly and share clips. Okay. Uh, that's kind of, I think, how they're going to market themselves as what they bring to the table that's special and different. But the clip button doesn't work. The streaming sats, you can't tap on it to do get anything to boost or to change your stream per minute number. It's defaulted at zero. Um, the only buttons that I could get to work were the 30-second scrub buttons, forward and backward. Mm-hmm. And so you'd be able to skip through the audio 30 seconds at a time. But again, the time wouldn't change when you're looking at it. So the only way to get back to finding a different show is to force close the app and then reopen it. Mm. So, you know, I mean, it's it's their first launch and uh, expect it to be a little bit buggy. And I think the guys behind it, they said they run OS, uh, iOS. And so they were they were saying, yeah, we're happy to have Android users because we don't have iPhones ourselves, so we need yeah. people to like look at it and tell us the bugs. So yeah, that's what I did. I emailed them and said, yeah, I've seen a few bugs that, I mean, as of right now, they want to start like a clip sharing or a clip finding contest. Um, and I said, well, we gotta get the we gotta get the clip feature working. And the then, uh, the ISO, so you know, that's the ISO uh, finder. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but I think it, it's a cool concept if they can get it. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to see what it looks like, you know. Yeah. I've been a fan of a bit of technology I built for Rare Encounter. 
which I think I, I've joked that we're the most technologically advanced podcast because I have this technology, which is a little pedal that I have on. I can actually push it now. It works on this podcast. But when I push the pedal under my desk, it inserts a marker, like a timestamp automatically. So it's a foot switch that sure. automatically uh, drops a marker into the thing. And I think a tool like that, maybe even like a US, hey, here's my electrical engineering firm. Here's the second product. Uh, or maybe this is to get our toes wet, right? It's uh, it's just a USB foot switch that you can yeah. uh, use with your podcast app to insert, oh, next chapter, push the pedal. And what you get at the end of the episode is you get the episode, and then you get, um, you can even do it so it's relative from the start of the render region. You'd say, hey, oh, okay. here's, here, so if you have chapters, say you start recording before the podcast actually starts. Yeah, it takes care of that. And you can gotcha. get a list of marks and you can give them names and you can actually spit out a CSV file. Ooh. Presumably uh, with a Lua script that could spit out a JSON. Actually, you know what? It could spit out a JSON file uh, straight out of Reaper. There we go. The right, and is uh, it, right bits. Is that what you use to record as Reaper for your podcast? Yeah. It's what I'm using right now. Beauty. Yeah. Um, let's see. We had some questions about the Boostagram. I want to ditch that for today because I'm... I just haven't researched it enough. Okay. I need to find out how to get Boostagrams pull available to me. I know you're working on that on your end too, so I'm yeah. I want to table that until we figure out what the hell's going on. I know Medus is working directly with Dave Jones right now to <clears throat> kind of parse them out. You have to use uh Ellen Cly or I don't know how you pronounce it, the L N C L I um code to parse those messages do you know where the where they're logged are they in are they just dumped into a log file on the raspy blitz or are they in the block or in the uh lightning network somewhere? i think they're on the network but <clears throat> i'm not 100 percent sure about that yeah, yeah I, I it's weird because i've had a couple transactions when i go into my Thunderhub dashboard i can see a couple of transactions that have like little messages left in them yep. like one says hey check out my node da -da -da -da. um but when I have boostagrammed myself, I didn't, uh, I didn't get a little comment on the transactions page, which is kind of strange. So I'm still testing it, but I think it takes a little extra coding, a little extra DIY. Yeah. Um, we had a blog post by David Jones on podcastindex.org. Um, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but uh, the, the title kind of sums it up. He goes, time to hang up the egos and move beyond IP addresses. So that's sure to be controversial uh, at some level, but uh, I put it in my notes so you can we can link it. I, I don't want to voice my opinion on this. I just wanted to mention that it's out there. Yeah, I did get but, to read that. Uh, what else do we have? Uh, I was listening to Brian of London on Cryptomaniacs. Uh, Sir Brian of London's a guy who's on podcastindex.social, also uh, No Agenda Social, and he's been on a couple times on this podcast, Cryptomaniacs. I only heard his latest appearance and they're talking about pod ping on hive and he gave out some interesting stats he said there's five major hosts that are using pod ping and then there's some other individuals that are using pod ping but you wouldn't classify them as major hosts sure and, and as a reminder you know what pod ping is right that's the service where right you, can, you write something to the hive blockchain that says hey my podcast updated and uh then all of the aggregators know to go check it then instead of having to spam get requests over and right. over and over and waste yeah, bandwidth. Yeah, the, the problem is that the old way is to just continuously crawl all feeds and look for updates, whereas 
the Podping just lets you wait for the show to tell you there's an update, and then and then you go grab it then. And yep. yeah, it saves a lot of. Uh, it's a very gl- green solution that uses blockchain. It's so trendy and perfect. Yeah, it's it needs to be the standard. <laughs> uh, I saw but, Adam Curry getting butt hurt because no one. Uh, because Apple didn't make a comment on it lately, so... Eh. Oh, you know, <laughs> Apple's a dinosaur now. They can't even figure out their own... They can't even figure out their own podcast app. Yeah. So they're... I mean, they're beyond screwed. Yeah, what do they know about to, blockchain? There's no way they're going to... We're we're such bleeding edge when it comes to podcast 2.0, and Apple can't even get back to the 1.0 standard because they were never on it, turns out. Yeah. So, um, sir... Brian of London also had one of the recommendations for, not recommendations, one of the proposal documents for phase four of the podcast namespace, and that was the pod ping tag. And the purpose of the pod ping tag is basically it's it's like a one-liner you put in your feed that says, hey, I use pod ping and not, so don't spam get uh, requests at me. Just wait for my pod ping. Oh, yeah. And I was talking, I had a pretty long conversation about this with Cotton Gin, um, uh, was it yesterday or the day before? And I think it was the day before. We were talking about the different tags that were in the namespace and what our thoughts were and if we were going to contribute to them, what would we want to do? And my thought on that tag was there's really four states that you want to... Uh, four things that a, that a feed might want to tell an aggregator. You either want to say, and this is the default behavior, you want to say, hey, I'm a normal... Uh, 1.0 kind of podcast, uh, you need to spam get requests at me. So just keep doing that. And if the tag doesn't exist, that's what you have to assume you have to do anyway. Sure. The second one is that you're going to use something like pod ping. And I don't want to use the word pod ping because I, I, the way I understand it, that is kind of uh, a single point of failure right now. Because pod ping, in order to be able to write to pod ping, you have to be authorized by some entity and... You know who can who can uh, authorize people might change over time, and you know there's there's a problem if we don't have a way to be able to say, oh, I don't want to use Pod Ping, I want to use Ping Pod. Sure. You know some some other uh, competitor has to be able to start up and use the same namespace. It has to be available for everyone. So I think that's the second option you should have in this uh, kind of tag would be, hey, I'm using something like Pod Ping, and here's the one or two pieces of meta information you need to know. To, uh, to make that work prop, to close that loop. Um, the third state that we came up with was a static state. So you could say, hey, this is a feed that's, um, I'm publishing it and it's out there, but really don't expect it to change. And, you know, if you want to go ahead and check it once in a while. But it's basically an indication that this is a static feed. And that's what I imagine most of the music stuff is going to be. Because when you publish an album, you don't, um, you don't change yeah. the, the th- you don't change it it's after not it's episodic done, right? yeah there's nothing else to add so this is here's my this little chunk of myself i've recorded onto mp3 and i put on the internet uh and it should be kind of static so you don't have to keep pulling it other than maybe to see if it's still alive sure but uh you know that's one of the state and the third state is what we ended up spending most of our time discussing which is this idea of uh the block tag and we realized that the pod ping and the block tag really have they share some space here just in the way that what we're really saying is how does an aggregator treat a feed and from the feeds perspective i'm asking the aggregator to to treat me a certain way but when we were talking about the the block tag what we kept going back to is that if i have a license say i license my podcast as um 
CC0, where I say, oh, or it's public domain. It's, it's just, there's no license. Anyone can do anything they want. At that point, it doesn't make any sense for me to put a block tag in. And even if I did, no one really has a, um, really has a uh, requirement to follow that. Because right. if, it's, if it's public domain, and I put it up on the free and open internet, anyone can download it, and anyone can use it any way they want. So there's no there's no real uh, oomph behind the idea that I'm going to stop Apple from indexing me, right? Um, other than maybe I if I'm just asking them not to index me, that's like a robots.txt kind of thing, right? But what we kept coming back to is if you really want to be hardcore about who's going to be allowed to use uh, this feed and uh, like I want to have Apple will be able to use it, but not Spotify, or, or this is going to be only Spotify will be able to index me. Well, we have a word for that kind of thing already and it's called a license so what you're really talking about isn't blocking everyone else you're talking about having a license that says only spotify can use this and it's not public domain and it is copyrighted material and then it it seems like that's the i would say it's the seems like the correct way at least from my perspective to uh to implement instead of having the block functionality what you're really talking about is you know uh do I do I want to have a license? This is anyone can take this, or is it going to be a narrow license? Maybe that I've written because I'm uh, honestly because I'm some kind of uh, what do they call it? A uh, not an advocate. A uh, ah, the word's escaping me. Activist. Uh, activist. I'm a, okay. I'm a license activist or something. Yeah. Sure. This license says everyone can use me except Apple. Okay. Well, we'll see if that ever holds up in any court ever. Uh, right. But if that's what we're talking about putting into the standard, I think the place for that kind of crap is the license, not a block tag. And and if you if you're just sort of politely saying don't index me, you know, maybe that's that fourth state in this, you know, pod ping kind of thing where you say, eh, you know what, this is this is a feed that you really should be made public. Um, and if you want to know the details, they're in the license. Um anyway, that was our our thoughts on that one. Uh, yeah, it's it's funny. Maybe it might even be that an RSS feed is the wrong way to put out something that you don't want <laughs> to be uh, digested yeah. in that way. You know, wow, what a uh, I, my RSS reader, which I use to find stories. You know, when I'm uh, when I'm looking for content <clears throat> for the show, uh, I noticed that a lot of I don't know when it happened, but you know, I had my old RSS reader set set up for 2014 and 2015. And then we came back in 2020 and so many things had changed with RSS and a lot of the blogs that I followed on the reader were now pulling uh, blog posts and the blog post would read something like uh, you know, it would have like the title of the article and then it would have like the first sentence and then it would have this like, you're scraping my content. You have to click here. Me, 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 me. You, uh, yeah. all of these robots are stealing my content. It's like, uh, <laughs> we're aggregating it so that people ever hear about it (laughs) you know like it's just i don't know people got this whacked mentality at some point in the last five years about rss and what it means and you know oh my content's being stolen that i publish publicly on an rss feed like no it's it's not so i think because in the back of my head i'm thinking stuff that's out there in podcast form music that's out there in podcast form like npr's tiny desk concerts might be something that we want to pull into our system and just because it's it's out there you know any podcast player can play the thing i don't want it uh i wouldn't want someone to put in a block that says hey you know uh ablecraft 
you're not allowed to read my content because you're a small player and only Spotify can play that it, and still have it on the free and open internet. And so if they're really talking about licensing it a certain way, well, okay, put a license in that says, uh, well, you can't charge money for it or, or really describe what the, the caveats are, not just block these guys because we right. don't know who they are. It's uh, well. And I, I think I like what guy. you're saying, if, if you've got a license situation, then you actually have something that's enforceable rather than a, a please, I block you, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, well, the block doesn't really imply like that you're asking. The block is like a move that you make that you can't get through a block, but that's not really yeah. how it can work. <laughs> Yeah. Unfortunately, and, I guess. And under the license, I'm sure there has to be some information about, can you monetize this? If it's CC non-commercial, then I right. don't think we could ever put a value tag on that without, uh, on it. I don't know. Well, we'd have to find out exactly how that works. Um, certainly not for us, but you know, it's, that would also play into the decision of, would we want to pay to host something? If we had a little hosting company, do I want to host stuff that CC buyer? Do I want to host stuff that I can put a value tag behind? You know, I don't know. Um, the big thing that, that we actually got some work done this week was on the recommendations proposal. And uh, Cottingen and I were talking a lot. We actually got um, Benjamin Bellamy on a call and talked cool. for a long time. It seemed like a long time. Maybe it was more like an hour about what the recommendations proposal he put in a couple months ago was and what our thoughts and philosophies were and how we thought that it could be improved, and so we gave him all that feedback. I was going to fork it, but then he said at the end of it, he says, no, I'll take all this. I'm just going to rewrite it, uh, basically take everything we decided and, and do it. And he did it, and so now there's a new revision of the recommendations tag up there, and I've officially endorsed it on GitHub. Beautiful. Uh, in the issues, I said, I endorse this for inclusion in the uh, Phase 4 because it advances all the things that I care about. Nice. And, uh, I am completely partisan. Everything that I'm going to do with uh, with these is going to be geared towards my own ends, and I'll say that up up front. Uh, yeah, well, I mean that's the that's the point of having a yeah. voice and a seat at the table. Yep. the The bottom line was that I love the idea of having a little JSON file next to the feed that has information about associated acts or about podcasts that you want that the the creator might recommend or their friends or relationships, things like that. Sure. Because if you think about it from the music perspective, a lot of apps like Spotify, like Pandora, well, they, they're not just a server with a bunch of MP3s on it. They have a big relational database that says, when I played Dave Matthews, here's the other... The, yep. you, you played Dave Matthews. Do you want to listen to Candlebox now? That kind of, right. that kind of crap. Well, that was kind of the whole genesis of Pandora was right. the Music Genome Project itself, which is exactly what you're describing, an algorithm. That, yeah, that was it. Music Genome... Pro I, forgot it that, I forgot about that. Yeah, it was like they did the Music Genome Project, and then they were like damn, we need a product that, like, utilizes this, and that's what Pandora was, was the vehicle to kind of give the public the Music Genome Project experience. Yeah. So we had uh, the, the, the final uh, conclusion at the end of all this is because it's required to have the metadata and the sound data together, if we're going to do a decentralized server for sound data that doesn't help us any unless we also have decentralized metadata with it, so I need to have in my feed uh, the relations between that feed and some other adjacent feeds. It doesn't have to be everything, but it has to be a little bit. It has to be enough that you can go out and crawl and chunk out these JSON files. And if you want to, 
um, start trying to put them in a relational database. But the, sure. the data has to be available for anyone to do it. You know, we're, we're not going to start a new music genome project right. uh, every time someone wants to make a little Android app. So anyway, that was all the development on the, on the podcast 2.0 stuff I saw. Um, well, that's cool. You've been busy. Yeah. Do you, uh, anything to add before we go on to podcast or what I'm calling Bobcat Index? The Bobcat Index. The I'm Bobcat excited Index. for it. Let's get it. Yeah. Uh, Bobcat Index, I think, is the website. Uh, I registered the URL, like I said. I I caught myself calling things Bobcats. Uh, <laughs> and so I, I said, well, you know, I've got the URL. Here's the site. So what I actually did is I, I went on Urban Dictionary to make sure we weren't getting into too much trouble. And I got, what is a Bobcat, according to Urban Dictionary? Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> and so we've got a couple of these I put in. I said, Bobcat is a four-wheeled vehicle used by dirt whisperers. Sure. A cat who's named Robert. Duh. <laughs> Jesus. Here's my here's my cat, Bob. He's a Bobcat. Uh, a fan of Bob Dylan. A poo. Uh, oh, jeez. Uh, it's really bad. A poo in the woods. And then here was my favorite one. It's a young, attractive woman who is a vicarious sex beast. And oh. it's, uh, it's, it's like the young version of a cougar. It's gotcha. a Bobcat. It's, ah, that's it. That's music for you. That's what we want to be. So we're the Bobcat like Index. A, it's like a euphemism for skank, I guess, yeah? <laughs> yeah, we're like <laughs> Craigslist 2.0. <laughs> I, like, I like Bobcat a little bit better, you know? It's better connotations, I guess. So we have a website, but it's just pointing to Podcast Index now. Um, I've been looking at how to get this, what will ultimately be a static website in an Amazon uh, bucket. That is just going to have some feeds and MP3s in it, and maybe a, cool. a splash page. It's going to be a really simple site. I'm working on the HTML for that, and I also talked to Cotton Gin. He's an app developer, and he's, awesome. he is trying to put something together. He, he told me a couple of things he, was, he wanted to do. Uh, we'll see if he actually does them or not, but he mentioned to me he was trying to do a couple of things that might help us. Uh, he's interested in, in this project, too, and I think he's going to be one of our better supporters. Uh, I've known him for a long time, too, so we'll see. Yeah, I'm excited about that. You know how my friends are, you know. <laughs> yeah, you know. Uh, so the, Big promises. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see, what else do we got? We got the Bobcat Feeder, which is what I'm calling the feed generator. Oh, nice. Now, I have that. It's in mid-development. I said I'd have it done this week, but then I also had a bunch of problems uh, writing it. So it's it's a little GUI built in Python that I, I suppose I could launch it right now. I don't know. You can't see my screen, so it doesn't matter. But it just pops up, and you can put in the metadata for that you want to appear in your feed. Like, what's the value tag? You know, pub key and and all this cool. stuff. And then you push a button, and it spits out an XML file. So I did actually I did two prototypes already, and they kind of worked. And now I'm putting everything into a properly designed, like class object oriented based uh, uh, app. So it's extendable, and you know, it's code that can be maintained. That kind of stuff. So I ended up switching. Uh, from Idle, which is the Python uh, built-in uh, IDE, which is, I don't think it even has a good debugger inside. So I switched to Visual Studio Code and had a bunch of problems setting that up. Okay, it's a long story short. doesn't matter. Um, and it's it's work ongoing. Uh, I need to get back to it uh, today, but, uh, you know, yesterday I didn't get much else done, but uh, yeah, rear encounter, and I was up all night with some other party stuff, as you know. Yeah. All right. Uh, you know. You gotta have you gotta have a little fun every once in a while. Yep. Uh, last thing on our list is we got our Project Golem stuff, which is our yeah. our album. So what's the status on that? 
Well, uh, I was going to ask you if you got that MIDI data pl- plugged in. I did. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, I figured you would probably just leave me hanging until until yeah. the show. <laughs> I, I did. Um, um, so I imported it, and I've told you before my strategy with, uh, with MIDI is I have some pre-processing I have to do before I even start doing the artistic flair stuff. Sure. So I, I got the MIDI data in. Your drum kit puts out notes with... I think a duration of zero or it's a yep. duration of one frame or something. It's really right. Annoying. It's just a single point that there's no decay or anything. Yeah. Which is some of the samples that I use that can be important because they'll take the length of the, uh, say the time between the attack and the release, uh, mark, yeah. you know, MIDI messages and they'll, they'll like use the attack for when it hits, but then the release, um, is part of like the, what is it, the ADSR envelope for things okay. like symbols and, and everything. So on sure. some samples, but not all, when you, say if I play it on the piano, if I push down the key, it makes the sound when I let go, it can slow down the, or it can decay it faster. Sure. Not for every drum sample, but there's some that I use that do that. And so I have to fix that if it's gotcha. a problem. Um, and then I do the splits and put it in. Okay, so it's it's imported in the uh, the project, but there's still some work to do before I can do a render. Okay. Um, I'm just glad that you got it. Yeah. Because uh, I've I moved on to uh, working on Monday Ghost. Yeah. And uh, Fletcher says he needs the drums on that, by the way. He says he needs the drums so he, before he gets yeah, to anything else. Yeah, he's, he's, he's told me as well. Yeah. Uh, I'm working hard on them. It's so funny because I get in there and uh, recording and recording and deleting and recording. And that advice you had about the splits and the multiple takes really helped a lot. And then also, visually, I, I've always seen the lines that you've put in there, but I only just noticed the labels recently on top, where it's like, silence, or break one, or Willow Brown. Yeah, the markers. You know, where the markers, the description of them actually changed my whole game this past week, to uh-huh. where I was like, because uh, for me, I was still kind of an idiot and doing the one take thing for the whole song and so i had four takes that were the whole song and then i was kind of going through and seeing all right which is the best take for this section which is the best take for this section but then that uh that silence and then the build at right before the last uh uh, iteration of willow brown yep that i wanted to have this big snare build go on and i really was having a tough time transitioning that full first half of the song into that yeah cuz i you know i mean what, now i could do it now i could do it but when you're just writing it and just coming up with it i'm like ah oh, how do i how do i take it from here to there from here to there and then i'm like oh just start right here where it says silence you know where it says the quiet part just start two beats before and then just record the second half of the song in like five takes that is why i put the markers in because when i do most of what you'll hear for the acoustic guitar parts even even if it sounds like i'm just playing acoustic guitar through the whole thing that's probably like six parts that are cut together sure uh even and you if i done it right you'll never notice but yeah i'll i'll play the intro and the verse and then Maybe when, or maybe the intro part, and then when the uh, the singer comes in, sometimes what I'll I'll do is I'll realize as I'm singing it, I say, oh, the guitar really should settle down. It should be in the background there. It should kind of kind of loosen up and and just yeah, sure, you know, uh, play some of, more of the high notes and stop being so percussive. At least, you know, you want to play differently when the singer is singing than when the singer's not singing. 
So I'll realize that I'll have to go back in and just re-record the phrases where I'm singing and cut those in. So yeah, recording is a totally different skill set than playing live. Yeah, definitely. And that's kind of what I'm, I'm, I'm learning slowly with Bambi legs. The point I was at is kind of like, I'm, I was not really happy with what I had together, but I was like, man, it's too, what was it? Tuesday, you know? I'm like, I really just got to get you some MIDI data for this yep. song, move on to Monday Ghost, let you quantize it and figure out, because yep. I'm still not really sure some of the delayers I'm having. Like, yep. I'm just kind of like, I hear dude, I'm... that's not what I played. That's not what I played. But, you know, there's just a little gap. There's going to be latency in these electronic, you know, I'm systems gonna... that we're using. Next time you're ready to record, ping me, and I will. I want to walk through some things with... Um how to find out what the delay between the recording and... So even if you're monitoring the drums in real time, there's, sure. there's a number of samples that it'll be delayed between when you... Uh, what, let's say when... I believe it's the computer will, will be a little bit slower than... Uh, hmm, I can't remember which way it is. Anyway, ping we'll me see. and we'll Fletcher, figure it out. Fletcher and I were talking about this too because there should be a way for me to... Well, A, there should be a way for me to sync my MIDI clocks yes. all together so that it would be more in sync. But B, my frustration is I've got a machine, Mark III, yep. uh, which we've discussed, um, you know, before we started doing the show, we've discussed it at length. It's like, a, you know, I can be a finger DJ drummer and I've got access to just all these kinds of crazy virtual instruments, like thousands of dollars worth of software instruments. Yep. This I don't have when I'm using my Alesis kit. Uh, that comes with like, I don't know, 80 different built-in kits. Yeah. But I don't have that either when I'm in Reaper using a DAW because I have to have a VST. I have a, I have to have a virtual instrument there that I'm triggering. So, But I should be able to plug my native instruments, virtual instruments, into that. And I think that what I want to do is get a MIDI cable out from the Alesis into the machine. <laughs> yeah. And then use the use the electronic drums as a MIDI controller for the machine, and then actually plug the machine as the input in Reaper. I think that's how I want to do it, but I don't even own a MIDI cable right now, so oh, I'm gonna have to go out and get MIDI cables and take the MIDI pill. Yeah, how for take real? The MIDI pill. Uh, yeah, I got probably 40 feet of them sitting around. If you Damn. want, I'll mail you one. Yeah, I mean, I, I won't say no. Yeah. Uh... Okay, I can probably go get one quicker, but I don't know. Uh, if you want to mail, if you want to mail me one, I'm not going to say no to that. Bad idea. Yeah, I, I think, think I'll I just a, go get one. I think I got a red one. I can send you. We'll see. I think I'll go get uh, two because there's <laughs> two holes. So I don't know. Like you got to understand that I am just a a stupid idiot when it comes to MIDI. Like I've I've not even dipped my toes in it really. Yep. Hey, you know, Michael, I'm, st I'm still USB out to it in. Is, it's such an old technology. Um, you know, Michael Jackson was using that on a lot of his stuff. A lot of the synths, synth tracks on oh, yeah. a lot of his hit songs were actually MIDI programmed. They had, I think it was called Mr. Beat, was what they used for a clock. Um, so what okay. they had is they had one clock that was generating, you know, the the BPM. You know, it was like uh, one uh, one beat every quarter note. And then what they would do on some of the Michael Jackson synths is they'd have like thirty second notes. So what you had to have was they had the the digital clock, which is just you know a pulse that came every quarter note. They had a clock divider. I think they called it Mister Beat, and that that had a bunch of outputs on it, output uh, signals on it that would do uh, 
you know, this one is divide the first divide by two, and so that was uh, instead of a quarter note, it gave you eighth notes, and then sixteenth notes, and thirty-second notes, and everything. And they had to have all this analog kind of circuitry to uh, to get the the fidelity that they needed, because what would happen is they'd start playing the MIDI parts of the song, um, and it wouldn't sync up because the clocks were uh, were out of sync. So they were having uh, the same problem back in yep. the day. Oh, the well. problems persist, man. Someday we'll figure out how to do digital music. Uh, Everyone comes in at step one, and then they just have to learn. It's yeah. like, the knowledge is never passed on. Why? I was talking to uh, Bongo Boy at the uh, NAS meetup uh, oh, yeah. this weekend, and he was talking about doing MIDI drums. Because he's a drummer, but he or he's, he would say that he, uh, he can play a little bit of drums. Okay. I, I said, yeah, figure out how to make MIDI. I mean, that's the trick. If you can make MIDI, then uh, good MIDI data, then you become useful. Uh, because if you play something in your apartment, I can't hear you. Uh-oh. You know, it's uh, unless you have a really good mic. You know, that's the other option is you have a drum kit and a really good mic, and you record everything raw. You know, MIDI is so much simpler though. But yeah, he's another yeah, one. I'm I sure not. The conversation I had with Fletcher was really starting to get me thinking on like the possibilities. Cause like that's the problem. I know what I want to do and I know what I should be able to do. Like I know that I have all of these. I've got like 40 gigs of (laughs) fucking software of uh, native instruments, virtual instruments, you know? They're beautiful. They're like top notch professional sounds and i just want to be able to hit my drums to make them yeah and hear them at the same time you hit the the drum head yeah yeah exactly and and hit play on your song and then just be able to lay them in there at the exact same time yeah that's the trick that's 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 the goal that's what we're working on all right you want to wrap this one up yeah sure sure thing all right let's uh cue the music so we can walk out the same way we walked in all right in slow motion like michael jackson we're doing a 360 degree spin and walking away Alright folks, Jambone! Talk to you next week.